Hello and welcome to the Impediments Podcast. I'm Mike and it is July 22nd, 2023. So shout out to everybody that's listening to this in the future. I hope the future is treating uh, everyone well. Um, uh, let's get down to it. So uh, since we spoke last, um, you know, we're slowly, slowly moving towards making uh, my side hustles um, a full-time job. I've got a probably another two years of doing the nine to five and then I think I'm going to go to punch out and hopefully the people that if you're listening to this you're kind of in the same boat because I'd love to steal your good ideas and use them for my own um, and maybe I'll share one or two things that I've learned um, which isn't much but we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out together so anyway um, let's just get down into it um, so I've been working on a project for a client uh, with the new Arduino Opta programmable logic controller. Uh, it's been interesting. Um, kind of reminds me of the, uh, the the FPGA offering that was a few years back in that, you know, it's, it's still early days. Some things aren't clear in the documentation. There's some quirks, um, which may just be user error, like, um, I was uh, so for the, for the folks that don't know this, so so historically Arduino has been um, all about microcontrollers, starting with little eight bit at Mega um, AVR microcontrollers, and then over time with the the revolution with the ARM stuff, and then they get in the Maker Vitor, Vitor, however you're supposed to say it, with an FPGA. Um, so this is the first PLC, and programmable logic controllers or PLCs are kind of used more in uh, industrial uh, applications, so your factories, um, the uh, you know uh, utilities and stuff like that. So it's they're meant to be a little bit more uh, rugged, a little bit more simplistic, but not simplistic for the sake of um, you know ease to use. I think it's more from a, a from perspective of to ensuring reliability. These are used in in applications where um, the availability is is the chief driver more so than you know um, you know confidentiality electrical IT though these are like OT things versus more IT things um, anyway so it's been pretty fun uh, hopefully by the end of next month August the project will be out um, and uh, I can post about it uh, also since then uh, Arduino has also announced uh, two new boards um, and delivered one so the Arduino Uno Rev 4 um, which is a very nice uh, upgrade to the Uno um, family uh, Wi-Fi I believe Bluetooth is also built in um, and there's also I think there's two versions there's like a, a connected version and a, a light version so if you want to save a few bucks if you don't need connectivity I think you can save a few bucks I, I picked up the uh, the higher end one because I'd just rather be safe and sorry. The other cool thing about the uh, the more expensive one, it has this little I think it's like a 12 by 8 or 8 by 12 grid of LEDs, um, little surface mount LEDs, so that you can have kind of like a little you can make a, kind of like basic little user interfaces right on the board, like you know do indicators of things more so than just turning on a, a single LED. Now you've got this little grid of LEDs, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they also uh, released the an ESP32. I think it's a nano form factor. Um, so for those who are into the 8266 and SP32 world, 
uh, there's an Allen Arduino with that. I'm still I'm hoping for. Uh, I know there's been some non-official Arduino or, or Risk Five boards. I'm still hoping that one day maybe Arduino will do um, a native um, board themselves. But anyway, so check those out if you're curious. Uh, let's see. So that kind of that's kind of the new toys I've been testing out and playing with. Um, been doing, let's see what else other work. So, um, you know, I've got kind of the engineering side, the technical side, and I've got the more artistic, creative side. So I've been, been playing around with the Glowforge laser cutter a lot, learning to do more than just their, um, taking the dive it to go basically, um, for those who aren't aware, um, the Glowforge is, it's, it's great for people that are like, and like I was just a few years ago, just starting out no clue. Um, you know, electronic software background, um, firmware, you know, embedded C kind of stuff. Um, so kind of like, you know, this whole getting into more of the holistic, the whole life cycle of product development. So including the mechanical side. Um, so woodworking, metalworking, and, and even these not, these new, um, applications of, you know, CNC, so like, you know, not just milling machines like I think most people cut their teeth with, but you now, you know, I consider things like 3D printers, laser cutters, um, plasma cutters, and all the stuff I'm learning to basically, again, I, I, I kind of want to do more than just the the electronics and, and then the uh, and firmware, kind of want to be a, a more of a one-stop shop. And that spans both, again, things that are functional that requires some engineering discipline, and then also the the just more artistic, um, you know, funky fun stuff. So I you know kind of cut my teeth, and it kind of like comes with this nice, um, um, not self reinforcing, but it's like a it's a it's a trail, it's a path. So you know when I'm starting to learn new skills, I kind of do it artistically, um, and then once I'm comfortable enough with doing it. Um, repeat, you know, basically if I can do things repeatable, if I can do things that I'm not kind of just like, if I can like actually design to a tight spec, right? Like instead of just willy nilly making things, if I can actually, you know, have someone say, okay, I need it. I need something that's built to these specs, um, that, you know, then when I get to that level of skill, I can, um, you know, well, that's the thing is when, once you get to that level of skill, um, my work, I can start doing things that, at least for me, I feel safe to say that are um, more functional, um, more like product versus, again, the art. But I think it's a good, for me, it's a good pathway. You start with the art, and then um, once you get good at it, and it also eliminates, um, you know, certain things you know that you just, you know, that are not going to work out. So you kind of, you, you kind of, put some uh, constraints on your uh, design based on what your skills are, right? Especially if you're trying to do this as a, as a, as a one-person shop um, or a small shop. Um, you know, knowing where your limits are is, is a key thing, but also pushing the limits at the same time. And, and um, a way to motivate, again, for me to do both, you know, is to push the limits, but also still need to make money and, and pay bills is, you know, when you're learning something new, again, start off uh, doing it in an artistic things that you know, where the tolerances are looser, um, there's more flexibility, uh, there's basically more uh, room for error or tolerance to error or non-conforming. And then once you're good at it, something, 
Um, and again, nice thing about with all these tools, be it plasma cutters, laser cutters, is that really the, the, the issue is not so much the tools themselves. I mean, each one has their unique things, right? Like for a, a laser cutter, you've got to know um, things like, you know, for, for every material you're cutting or etching, you know, what speed do you move the laser head at, what um, power intensity, uh, how many lines print. So kind of like, you know, again, going back to the earlier conversation with Glowforge, the nice thing about them is that, that their material, you can buy material from them that is marked with a QR code. So when you place it inside of the laser cutter, it kind of scans that QR code and tells it what type of materials in there. And so it sets everything for you, which is great. Unfortunately, of course, right, that material is a little bit more expensive. Um, so if you want to do stuff, you know, if you're, if you, you know, for final, for final products or final designs, that's great. Um, also, they don't always like, uh, for instance, at least when I, I, I got on early with, with Glowforge, I was like one of the early adopters. I think if they were Kickstarter, I kickstarted them. Um, but now, like, so the materials that they don't have, like, so it, basically here recently, uh, someone asked me if I could make rubber stamps. And I said, well, yeah, I think so. I think I've seen things on um, social media where people have used the Glowforge to make rubber stamps. And I'm like, I've never done it, but let's try it. So, um, yeah, so we, uh, you know, learn you reach out to the network of, of other makers and find out like okay what kind of rubber should I get with other little cheats it little cheats so like having like a foam backing in between your like the handle then this foam backing and then the rubber um, helps to make the stamp um, function better so anyway but the big thing was learning what are the settings what kind of what kind of settings on that on the laser cutter do I need um, so with that in mind I've actually started a Google Docs where as I learn uh, different materials to cut things also with a plasma cutter that's a new thing for me too I'm gonna be posting this uh, like a little cheat sheet out on uh, Google Docs that hopefully other people can use um, you know and again realize that for a lot of things um, you know my settings might work great for me but you might need to tweak them but at least you have a starting point right so I'm gonna go ahead and make sure that gets shared and put out there um, what else what else is so, you know, as I, again, you know, go from doing this kind of a part-time job to a full-time job, you realize that, you know, doing it part-time you, you, and having, having a regular nine-to-five, you're kind of insulated from, you know, you know good days, bad days, where, or good weeks, bad months, when you're not getting too much work. But it's that transitions to, well, this is the full-time gig, and you do have to make pay the bills monthly. Um, you know, what are some, so I've been, it's, it's caused me to sit back and think, all right, so, you know, and, and be honest with myself, it's like, okay, what have been my strengths and what have been my weaknesses over doing this as a side hustle for 10 years that I need to improve if I'm going to really do this full time once I, um, retire from my nine to five. And so the, uh, that led to, again, so part of that's like the marketing, right? The social media, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, and my conundrum is, do I build the business around me personally? Like, am I the identity, which, you know, there's, you know, plenty of makers in the world, right? That, yeah, it's them. And without their name, you know, their, their, their business, you know, I wouldn't say it would go away, but it would probably look drastically different. Um, some certainly sure, like there's such people that are like, have, are such an iconic 
brand of themselves. And while that's like, I think that's intoxicating, I also worry from like, um, you know, Green Shoe Garage, I, I kind of want to build something that's going to last outlast me, right? Like when, when I die, um, I want, uh, it, you know, to me it's more, it's more sexy to know that I built something that's going to stand the test of time versus building something um, around my personal, quote unquote, your personal brand. So, um, I'm, but I'm conflicted on that, right? And it's, it's always a struggle because you kind of, you know, running a business um, that starts off as just yourself is, you know, you are, I mean, it can become so interlaced or so intertwined. Um, it is hard to know. But so I was trying to be honest and um, I thought it made a pretty good blog post on um, some other, uh, you know, things that I've been experiencing. And, and so I wrote them down and I'm going to be trying to push Substack as my new um, kind of like, uh, instead of it like my WordPress for a blog for my website's great, but I think for blogs and podcasts, I want to have like this, instead of people coming to me, I want to go to where the people are kind of thing. Um, just because, you know, I, you know, admittedly I'm not nowhere near, um, uh, have a cult following that could, you know, where people would be, know me enough to where they're coming to me. So for now, um, I want to pivot into going on to, and I like Substack. Um, I did invest, they had an investment round here. So full disclosure, I did like, uh, pay some money to become, I guess, whatever this new found world of being like a micro investor in things or whatever. So yeah, I do have some skin in the game. Um, but, uh, um, anyway, so, so there I'm going to do the impedance podcast. Obviously if you're listening to this, you're probably on Substack. Um, I'm also going to do the, uh, gears of resistance as my blog, continue that name. And then I'm going to do a newsletter probably, probably monthly, if I'm going to be honest with myself for now. And then, you know, so the, the, my bits, bolts and bolts, uh, newsletter you can subscribe to. Um, and it's basically, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do I, you know, things that I've been doing for free, how do I monetize a little bit? Um, a lot of my design stuff that I'm going to have been doing just for fun. I probably will like sell the files on SE for like 99 cents. Again, not trying to become a, a millionaire, but just really kind of feel like, you know, cause you know, how, how, how the, how does a, a someone who, um, is a creative type, you know, how do you monetize when you, and again, when you're working for yourself is just, is, is really the goal. And, um, that's the overarching, you know, that's the overarching aim. So everything else is secondary to that. And so, yeah, we're just trying to figure out, you know, is it monetizing YouTube videos? Obviously, we'll still do YouTube. I'd like to get back to doing Twitch uh, streams of, like as I do work during the day. Um, anyway, um, so that's kind of where things are going. So um, anyway, back to the, the this notion of, you know, what are some of the things that I've been, you know, what are my pros and cons? What are my strengths, weaknesses? What is it about running a, a small business, specifically one that's kind of creative oriented. So, you know, I hem and haul on what really I do, right? Because yes, I'm a classically trained engineer. I'm a licensed engineer. Um, but I feel like, you know, doing straight engineering work, um, especially as a computer electronics guy is not my forte. I mean, when I was in college, I studied VLSI design, making microchips basically microprocessors like down into the transistor level like linking all the transistors together to actually make like a CPU 
And while that work was fun, I've never done it professionally outside of college. And it really, again, I, I'll be honest, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a big picture kind of guy, not a, a details-oriented kind of guy. So that kind of work kind of like kind of, I don't want to say killed my soul, but kind of sucked my soul away. So, um, you know, and I think it's one of the big things is, is if you're, you know, being a creative type, I think we're more susceptible to, A, chasing shiny objects. Um, um, at least if you're like me, like where, because this world is changing so much, right? Like if, you know, 10, 15 years ago when 3D printers were starting and, you know, they were, they were like, they were, you know, and obviously they've been around since the 70s, 80s, like the technologies existed. Uh, but today, right, like what you can do with a 3D printer today, like the, the Prusa Mark IV that's coming out, which I have purchased, um, is it, you know, we're, we're, we're rapidly getting to the point where it's, it's, it's it is kind of like, you know, file print. Um, and, and set it, forget it kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, so for those of us who, you know, and there's this whole discussion with, and this is well, actually, we're kind of getting into the whole meat and potatoes of the article I posted with artificial intelligence too, right? Like, I think, you know, I, I'm pro, I'm very pro artificial intelligence because <clears throat> to me, artificial intelligence is just a tool, right? And so like, you know, the woodworking stuff that I do, if I didn't have the Shaper Origin, or if I didn't have some of these Festool stuff, um, or the laser cutter, like, I couldn't do that stuff by hand, because I don't, I'd, I'll admit, like, I don't think I have, like, native artistic skill, right? Like, art and math from here are, like, a challenge. But the creative part, the innovation side, the idea side, I think I excel at that. But when it gets between, it's, it's, you know, the, the problem exists between, you know, my brain and my hand that without these tools, without my 3D printer, without my smart router, I, I wouldn't do the stuff and I, I would hate that because I like creating stuff. I like seeing an, an idea to come into fruition. Um, and I think AI is, is, is simply just another tool. So again, in my world, right, where I'm doing all these designs in Fusion 360, um, it, it takes me a while, but if I could talk to an AI then and can design some of this stuff for me, uh, that frees me up to, again, to do the more creative side. Now, here's the issue, right? I'm a humanist. I, I, like, I like people. People are great. Even, even the shitty ones are, you know, have some redeeming quality, hope, mostly in general. Sometimes that's not true, but so I re I'm, not, I'm not naive to believe that, you know, Oh, with the industrial revolution, um, you know, the, the advent of robotics in the 70s, 80s with factory jobs and, you know, IT. Um, and so basically these disruptions, these technologies that basically, yes, they obliviate livelihoods. They take away. Uh, but I think there's opportunity in those. So, like, for instance, I think, you know, yes, I think that people that I think the majority of people like. So, like, if you're a graphic designer, right? You know, there is this like, well, people aren't going to come to me anymore because they can now just put into this prompt and get what they want. And I think there's going to be, yes, there is, um, it, it's naive to say that that's not happening. Yes, there's going to be some amount of people that's going to happen. I think the majority, though, it's the people that would have never gone to the graphic designer anyway because they just, now they're empowered to make their idea a reality. So I think I am sensitive to the fact that, yes, there's jobs lost, but I also think that if you're a designer, if you embrace the AI, what is, yes, your, your pay per client, your profit margin per client will probably go down, but you'll be able to service more clients in the same amount of time. And so I think 
Now you, and I think you'll, you'll, you'll do the same quality. I think, again, AI is good at following instructions, right? It, it can, it's whatever it's been trained on, it'll do well. But it's that human, um, the influence, you know, your, your, how you prompt it, how you tailor it. And then again, I very rarely just take what comes out of these AI tools and just use it as is. Um, you know, even like Grammarly, right? Like I write something or, you know, even if I have, um, uh, um, I kind of use like chat GPT as like a research assistant more so than an, uh, an author, right? Like, um, because these tools for two reasons, right? They lie. I mean, they're not there yet, right? Like I've asked it like things that it should know point blank and it's given me, I know out answers you can validate or incorrect, right? Um, so it's not there yet. If you, so if you're blindly following it, yeah, you're going to get caught. It's just like, uh, just basically rewriting a really, like a Wikipedia, like if you were to copy just a Wikipedia article and paste it, that's what kind of chat GPT is today. It might get you 80% of the way there, but there's probably going to be some BS that's going to get you called out on. So for me, I like, I use chat GPT as like a research assistant and then I write my own, um, Grammarly to then correct it. The problem with Grammarly, if you're a technical writer, be careful with Grammarly because it sometimes wants to change words that make it sound better. But like, and again, in technical worlds, like certain words mean something. You have to use that word or it takes it away. Like classification, like if you're dealing with, if you're writing an article about artificial intelligence, the other day I was doing one for Mauser and it, uh, it's classifiers, right? And it wanted to rename it something else. I forgot what it was. But if I had just blindly said, yep, accept, accept, accept your, your recommendate, recommended changes, I would have totally come across as an idiot because while Grammarly is good at kind of like the artsy fartsy kind of, you know, words can be replaced for it in the, you know, that kind of world. But in technical disciplines or in a discipline, I would imagine like legal, right? in the legal world, like where words have specific meanings, you got to be careful with those tools. Um, so anyway, so the other two things I real quick to wrap this up, so I don't want to make these these podcasts too long is, you know, some other myths you can read again, about, you know, and I am putting my articles behind a paywall for like a week or so, and then they'll go free. So, <clears throat> and that might change. I'm just, again, I'm experimenting. I don't know how this is all going to work. Um, you know, so, you know, some of the other myths that I see, you know, my, as I talk with other people who are in the same boat, who who have either trying to run a small business while having their nine to five, or have made that transition and are now kind of regretting it, or people that are just they're just at the beginning stages and haven't really made the plunge yet. I wrote some other things, and then, you know, the big thing is everyone hates like uh, I can't stand my boss, and if I if I work for myself, I'll never have a boss again, and that's not true at all. My take is every client becomes your boss. So whereas if you work a nine to five as a, as a W2 employee and you, and you think that, man, working for myself, I'll finally get away. And no, because frankly, you're probably going to have to have at least two or three clients to make anywhere even near the same amount of income as you did before. And every boss, <coughs> every client becomes your boss and they're going to have different desires, different uh, expectations. So working for yourself actually increases the number of bosses you have. It doesn't eliminate it. Um, and then the idea of like, man, I, I'm, 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 you know, whew, I'm so tired. And I, I see these people that are, you know, and I grant, I guess some people do make it or the, you know, either they're independently wealthy or they do, they do succeed very well to the point where, right. You know, this, this idea of like people working like five, six hours a week and they still live these lavish lifestyles. 
I'm not there yet. I don't know if I ever will be, and I don't know if I even really want to be. I like I like the work I do, um, and 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 sometimes it can be addictive. It's actually a, a, an issue of, of of working too much and and affecting putting strains on friends and family and other <coughs> aspects of your life that you should be balancing. But it is also a reality, especially when you're just starting off. Like a 40-hour work week will probably be a slow week. Um, if you're working by yourself, um, now again, if you get if you get to the point where you can start scaling and hiring people, yeah, then maybe you can get back to a, at least a 40-hour week, or maybe even less. But if you're working by yourself, if you're an independent whatever artist, 40 hours, again, you know, if you're independently wealthy, great, cool. But if you're if you're really trying to pay those bills, um, you know, 60 hours, this 80 hours. I mean, I've seen people put in some friends say that you know they're doing 100 hour weeks they love it no that's the flip side like they do love the work because they it's it's you can kind of again maybe not initially initially but eventually you get to the point where you can like kind of be a little choosy in the work you take on the clients you take on i would encourage you to be that from the beginning but i understand that also you got to pay bills right but um that is the, the one of the things about working for yourself is and, and taking on clients is that you, you can be a little bit choosier um, in the work you take on and, and, and do the stuff that you love and kind of, uh, you know, whereas if you're working a nine to five, yeah, you're, you're probably going to get, you're, if, I'd say probably half the time you're not doing stuff you really want. Now, that being said, also, like everything's a double-edged sword, right? Working by yourself means, you know, all that stuff that you had in HR department, an IT department, um, a marketing department to handle for you, a purchasing department, all of a sudden, all of that extra work that is, that is not core to what you do but is so important to running a business falls on you. And so that's why I think part of the it's more than the 40 hours. You probably do 40 hours of the work you love, but you're going to be spending another 20 to 40 to 60 hours doing all that other stuff, depending, again, what it is exactly you're doing. If you're doing, if you're doing just digital stuff, if you're just like writing apps, or if you're just doing uh, graphic design, if you're doing stuff where it's just the atom, it's just bits, not atoms, and you're not shipping things, and you're not like purchasing materials. Yeah, you you probably can keep uh, a decent lifestyle, um, work life balance. But if you, as soon as you, again, this is my experience. You know, take it for a grain of salt. Um, but as soon as you start getting into bits and atoms, where you're making physical, tangible things, and either you're just you're using software to help you do that, or if like if you're doing like embedded electronics, where you're, you have physical items that run software, yeah, it, and you got to ship that and purchase that stuff, and and then all like you know, if there's you know, if you're really doing stuff from scratch and like custom board design, and you're dealing with like getting things approved through you know unit. You know, Underwriters Laboratory or FCC, all that, all that stuff <coughs> that, again, you might have had the corporate governance structure, which may have been a pain in the butt, but, you know, took care of that stuff for you, that's gone. And that's where I think a lot of the time that people say, yeah, it's, it's more than just 40 hours a week, that's where it comes from. Anyway, so this and all that stuff is in the, the blog post, uh, Myths of Running a Small Business, Some Thoughts on Bosses, Work-Life Balance, and the AI Revolution. That's up on the Substack. Um, I'll pass that along in the links for this. But uh, with that, 
um, I'm going to wrap it up for this week. So I will uh, thank you all for listening and uh, hit me up, Mike at GreenshoeGarage.com if you have <coughs> any comments. Um, I think we're, we're, we're going to try to redo some of the websites to make things. Or we're going to cut out some of, like the, some of the social media we've never used. We're going to eliminate those links. We're going to kind of focus on the things that actually seems to be bringing value and ways to connect. So um, well, just you know, basically come back every couple weeks. Every couple, yeah, every couple weeks, not every couple days. Every couple weeks, just check back. Um, and if you got comments, if your thoughts are, if you're, if you're a small business person who's got some secrets on on how you deal with some of these struggles, please let me know. We'll share it. Um, or if you got questions, if you're if you're just starting off yourself and you got some questions, let me know. Um, again, everything here is just my experience. It might be right, it might be wrong, it might be both, it might be neither. But hopefully. Uh, you can extract some nuggets of wisdom out of my um, random musings and experiences. And with that, thank you all very much for listening. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.